Pick and Pop listeners, welcome back to the podcast. We're sorry about not having an episode last weekend, but we are coming to you on a Friday instead of a Saturday. Um, hopefully that makes up for it. Yep, hopefully that makes up for it. Um, but it was Halloween, so we decided to take a little day off, even though we've only done two. Yeah. Alright, so some big news. Um, yeah, big news today. We're going to be going through things like um, the NBA restart happening. Um, you know, what players are going to land in different space spots in free agency. And, you know, things about Antonio Brown playing on Sunday and even uh, the Raiders losing a draft pick. But um, before that, we're going to go through the NFL injuries and how we feel about that. So, uh, Ryan, Chris Jones was put on the uh, COVID list. How do you think, if he does not play, because he has returned to the practice facility, but if he does not play, how do you think that will affect the Kansas City defense against the Panthers? Well, they're really playing against a really good, obviously very good, um, rushing team, especially with Kirsten McCaffrey coming back and with Mike Davis as well. So that will definitely hurt um, someone who could apply pressure in the pass rush. and um, The rush rush. The Rush, rush, pass rush, all of that. Um, put Teddy Bridgewater under pressure. And uh, I think it'll, it'll still be a good game. Um, I still expect the Chiefs to win, but this could lead to a big Christian McCaffrey game and get him a little more comfortable from him coming back from uh, that injury. Yeah, and that leads us right back to leads us to our next part of the injury segment, and McCaffrey's back. Um, that is going to affect the Panthers so well that they had their 99 overall in Madden, um, running back, obviously. He's amazing on the field. Uh, he's he's so good, and his high ankle sprain really, uh, you know, pushed him back when it comes to his performance because, obviously, he wasn't playing. But he is back. He's going to affect the Panthers greatly, especially if Chris Jones doesn't play. <clears throat> the Chiefs have a terrible rushing defense, like bottom five in the league. It's horrendous. Um, Derrick Henry ran all up on us during the uh, – um, the AFC Championship game last year, and that's why we, they had a lead at one point in that game. Um, and McCaffrey coming back as the best running back in the league, in my opinion. I think he'll run up all over us. Um, I do think the Chiefs will win, as you said, but he is a big part of the Carolina offense, and they're definitely happy to have him back. Yeah, and especially in such a uh, tough decision, um, tough division behind the Saints and the Buccaneers, every win matters, and if they can get that extra boost – in the backfield and open up the field for guys like DJ Moore um, and Robbie Anderson and make uh, Teddy Bridgewater's life a little more easier, then that will definitely help the Panthers maybe get into some sort of playoff contention. And our last part of the injury segment, obviously um, injuries have really uh, riddled the San Francisco 49ers this season, you know, starting out with Kittle and Garoppolo in the beginning of the season where he most has been out for a while. And now last week, uh, George Kittle out for the season, Jimmy Garoppolo out for the season. Um, does that destroy the 49ers' playoff hopes, Ryan, or do you think they're still in it? Well, I do think that they are still in it just because of their record, and I still think that they, um, e- even without Garoppolo and Kittle, they still got solid um, team and solid coaching. So I think they can maybe pull it out, but um, it'll definitely be a lot harder than uh, if it were to be with George Kittle, and they're playing in a tough division behind the Rams, Cardinals, and Seahawks. So I don't see any um, place where they make the playoffs. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Uh, their division's the hardest in football. Um, they're starting two 
way back running backs in Jarek McKinnon and Jamichael Hasty because um, Mostert's out, Wilson's out, Coleman's out. Um, they're really just riddled with injuries, and I think that really destroys their playoff hopes. There's no chance they're getting in. And this was a Super Bowl team. They lost a couple pe- a couple pieces, but no main pieces. Obviously, loss of Nick Bosa is hurting them. Um, yeah, even before defense. even yeah. before they've lost Kittle and Garoppolo. But uh, yeah, I think which was so huge to their Super Bowl run. Super Bowl their, run. I agree. Uh, defense. And they got clobbered by the uh, Green Bay Packers last night. Uh, scored all up on. Their secondary played horrendous. Um, uh, a lot of deep balls thrown by Aaron Rodgers and a lot of deep catches with no secondary help. So I do think that the 49ers are out of this playoff contention. Especially with their next three games. You've got the Saints next Sunday, the Rams after that, and then the Bills after that. So the road isn't getting any easier. Yeah, they're going to be able to I think they're going to lose those three. But then a couple favorable matchups against the NFC East uh, Cowboys and um, football team. Okay, next up, uh, sticking with last night's game, kind of, um, we just went to, we just talked about the 49ers, and now the Packers. Devontae Adams is saying he is the best receiver in the league, but this, obviously, he definitely is not. But uh, is he a top three receiver? Uh, Ryan, what do you think? I do. I do view him as a top three receiver at the moment. Um, You could say talent-wise, there are other guys that are better. Um, Michael Thomas, I think we're going to take him out of the equation um, just because he's not healthy. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to keep Michael Thomas in it. He's playing this week. Uh, if he does great, I feel like then we'll know, we'll know. But for me, he's he's not top three. He's definitely top five, though, because you have, first of all, DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the league. Then you have Julio Jones and and fully healthy off of suspension Michael Thomas is definitely I'd rather have him than Devontae Adams. Um, and you can make the argument of Tyree Kill as well. Because uh, they're definitely the top five receivers in the league. So he's either four or five in my eyes. He's obviously an amazing receiver. And really, uh, Rodgers' only options other than Jones on you know, the passing game. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of options. So I wouldn't say he's top three. But I get your argument that Michael Thomas hasn't performed this year at all. Yeah, but his numbers over this year um, have been very, very impressive. And a lot of that has come to Aaron Rodgers playing out of his mind the last few games um and you saw last night and i think the thing with him is he gets a lot of long throws um like explosions so that's where it lands for me that i think he could um he's one of the best big play makers in the league yeah. uh, along with some someone we didn't mention which is tyree kill um who kind of is underrated almost now just because of all of these good wide receivers that are coming out so I think we still need to talk about him and all these other guys I think he's overshadowed by the fact that his quarterback is Patrick Mahomes Maya is the best quarterback in the league make the argument for Wilson I don't care but it's like okay Tyree kills he has Mahomes you know I could put the worst receiver on the worst team on that offense and he would catch every ball because Mahomes is throwing to him and I think that that's just incorrect fastest player one of the fastest players in the league so yeah I think when you come off of a win like that, like they did in a game like Devontae Adams played, uh, you're bound to say something like that. And I think people are saying stuff like that because he has proven that he's had the numbers and he's had the touchdowns and he's had the receptions more than a guy like Michael Thomas who hasn't played. Um, really and, at all this year. I yeah, and Julio Jones had a rough start to the season, but now he's getting back on track. But I think um, right now I would view him as top five and – you could get into the ins and outs of top three or top four, but I would just rank him definitely top five, and you could finagle any of the receivers wherever you wanted to, and I would respect it. 
Yeah. <clears throat> um, Antonio Brown. Bruce Arians said that he's definitely going to get minutes. He will be a part of that offense. Um, what does this mean for Mike Evans, for the NFC South? Are they going to win it? What does it mean for their Super Bowl contention? Um, what are we thinking? Well, I'm thinking Antonio Brown is going to open up the field because, um, obviously, when you have a pro bowler like that and one of the um, better wide receivers of all time, I would say. Yep. Um, just from some of the seasons he had had. And he's been off track um, for the past few seasons. He had a weird Patriots stint, the drama with the Raiders, um, all that stuff. Some but legal trouble. Some Yep, some legal trouble, the suspensions. But all of that has got him here. And I think Bruce Arians is the perfect coach for him. Uh, we said the same thing last year with Bill Belichick. But I really do believe that this year um, he's the right coach. And I think he'll... He knows, Antonio Brown knows he's not going to be getting 10 to 15 targets per game, and I don't think that's what he's expecting, but with such a big game, uh, big play potential with him, he could definitely open up the field for guys like Godwin, um, uh, Scotty Miller, and uh, Mike Evans. And then with the run game, they'll be so focused on him, all those receivers, and Gronk, obviously, so it's it's just a very scary offense, Brady playing um, very good recently. Yeah. yeah, that offense is, I agree, very scary. You know, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette uh, uh, in the backfield. I, I totally agree with you. Um, I think that uh, for Mike Evans, I feel like if Antonio Brown can prove to Bruce Arians and to Tom Brady, obviously, as he's probably more of a deal to uh, Antonio Brown than to Bruce Arians, he needs to prove to them that he can, he can catch the ball, he can get open, you know. Obviously, we know that he hasn't played in a couple of years. So if he does do that, um, I think they definitely will win the NFC South with their crazy offensive weapons. Super Bowl contention, I don't know. I still don't see them beating the uh, the uh, Seahawks and the Packers, you know, every other time. One of them will win. It's like 50-50, if you know what I mean. Um, but the NFC, um, obviously less stacked than the AFC. Um, they definitely have a chance. I totally agree. They're, I think they're a better team than the Saints uh, thus far. Who and they're playing uh, this weekend. Yeah. And for and for Mike Evans, uh, as soon as Chris, as soon as uh, he starts, Antonio Brown starts to get into the offense. I think that uh, Tom Brady will spread the ball around, and he'll be fine. Yeah, I think once everyone puts their egos aside, it'll be very interesting and very explosive. Um, very explosive team. Okay, our last bit of NFL news or drama, I guess, for this one: the Las Vegas Raiders have lost a six-round pick and $500,000 for the organization, which is and $1.2 million total for everybody. Um, Gruden was fined. Um, Derek, Carr, Der- Derek Carr and Darren Waller, out of the two big names, out of also 10 others, were fined $50,000 for not wearing masks at charity signings. Is this a big, is this a big deal if any of them catch it? Um, let's say Derek Carr catches it. Is that a big deal to the Raiders' success? Same with Darren Waller. What do you think? I think it's huge. To the NFL's success, to the Raiders' success, to all of it. Because once someone, you saw with the Patriots, um, not as much so with other teams, but with a team like that who hadn't practiced, they really lost their chemistry, and now they're in a deep, deep hole. So if someone like a Darren Waller or a Derek Carr type were to spread the coronavirus or catch the coronavirus, um, then that would be very dangerous for the team and obviously for the people catching it. I just think... People need to be a little smarter, especially when you're putting so many others at risk, This uh, the 60 guys that are on the other team at risk um, and the 60 guys on your team that, are, um, that you're putting at risk. So I just think it's 
very silly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, $50,000 seems like too little for how much money these guys makes to for not wearing masks at a charity event, you know. Um, I feel like the NFL, uh, this kind of this kind of thing uh, makes them, like, lose uh, their reliability, you know. This is proving to the general audience that the NFL um, is doing their best, as we see with the fines, but can't, or isn't really controlling well um, what's going on COVID-wise. Obviously, fans are coming back, you know what I mean. And the NFL will continue to put out harsh rules to get their, you know, get their uh, the people that watch NFL games back on top of them. Um, so, uh, other than that, Gruden's going to be in big trouble, but uh, it's a big story for the sake of the Raiders and the sake of the NFL. I think what's important, though, is that they're showing no one is exempt from anything, and uh, a top player, the two best players on that team, you would say, uh, getting those fines, so they're not exempt from anything, um, which shows the NFL having a no-tolerance policy without wearing the masks. And this isn't the only time that um, guys have been fined for not wearing a mask. Yeah, we saw that with Tomlin this week against the Ra- last week against the Ravens. Uh, moving on to the NFL stuff, Ryan, if you want to read out um, the headlines. The NBA? Yep, uh, that's what I meant, NBA stuff. Yeah, so if you can't tell, we've changed our formatting a little bit. Uh, we're doing a little more current news um, because there's obviously so much going on in the sports world with all the sort of drama and things that are taking place. Um, and uh, something that we learned today, earlier this morning, uh, the NBA Players Association came to an agreement on a 72-game shortened season, um, which will start December 22nd. Charles, how do you feel about that? I feel um, I feel great about it. I'm obviously a huge NBA fan. Go Jazz. Uh, but as long as the players are okay with it, obviously the the NBPA is mostly run by players because you know they're such they have such a big voice in the NBA community. Chris Paul, yep. Big, big props to Adam to Adam Silver for really, you know, giving them that voice. But I think that's great. Ten games, less than usual. I mean, that's not that big of a deal, you know? No, more back-to-backs, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's great as long as uh, the NBA is fine with it, their commissioners are, uh, the players are. Obviously, it's going to cost, I think it's at a billion dollars for that to actually happen. But I think it's okay. Um, thoughts of another bubble, I don't really know. I don't know if they're going to do flying, no fans. That's information to come. Uh, I think they're I uh, they're talking about less travel. Um, there's a lot of things up in the air. While they still have about a month and a half to decide what's going on, some things that are in the air is like instead of you would see the Celtics and the Raptors in the same conference playing four games over the span of an 82-game regular season, maybe they stay in Boston or stay in Toronto for four games and they spread it out over about a week, more of like a baseball kind of thing where they are doing a series, and I think that's something the NBA is really considering to um, limit travel. I think um, that would be the smart thing to do. Uh, yeah, another thing about the Raptors, ob- obviously due to travel restrictions, they might not be able to play in Toronto, or um, you know, teams might not, might not be able to fly to Canada every other day, so they've been thinking about playing in the uh, in college stadiums. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we have more, we have the news for that's going to come as the NBA, you know, gets themselves ready for this restart. Yeah, they were today they were just coming to the consensus that they wanted to play when they wanted to play. Um, they're not exactly sure how they're going to play, and I'm assuming COVID-19 tests are going to be taken regularly. Um, the masks are going to be required being worn by the coaches, and I'm guessing players on the bench even more than in the bubble. Um, they'll 
I'm guessing no fans, um, but they do want to get fans in the arenas at some point. Um, and Charles, what do you think this means for LeBron, the LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and um, Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the world who sometimes tend to load, load manage? Um, do you think I, they'll play at the beginning? Or? I think that load management is kind of out the window at this point if your team wants to be successful. Ten games, um, I think on average it's like one to maybe five or six um, games that are load managed for these uh, real big kind of players. And I think that if LeBron wants to go back-to-back, if Kawhi wants to get a, a third ring, if Giannis wants to get his first ring even, um, they can't load manage. They need to play every night as hard as they can. And I really think if anybody um, on a big team opts out of the season or something like that, um, it's really going to hinder them. So no load management no load management can happen if any team really wants a shot. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm guessing guys are going to opt out. Um, I'm, You saw guys like Avery Bradley and Trevor Ariza opt out um, of the NBA bubble. Um, and then this also means um, there's like a huge, um, a very quick string of things you have. The draft, November 18th, in about two weeks, um, you have free agency in between the draft and training camps. Training camps start December 1st, um, and then um, t- 21 days after that, the NBA season starts. So you're seeing no preseason, no summer league. I'm not sure if they'll do some sort of scrimmage like they did in the bubble, um, but it's definitely a different um, feel than the regular starts of the season. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said right there. Um, no summer league is going to be a big part because players like you know Kendrick Nunn, who was just on an NBA Finals team who pushed the LA Lakers to six, have no chance of you know getting on a roster. Duncan They're, Robinson. Exactly. If you're going to come, if you're going to be undrafted in this draft, and a team's not calling you on your phone, and you're not on the summer league team, you're not going to make a roster, uh, and that takes away opportunities for really good young players that could develop well. Yeah, and even those two-way contracts could develop into um, one-way contracts as well. And uh, also the preseason, when they uh, a lot of coaches experiment with different lineups and different sets, they won't be able to do that this year. Um, and the NBA uh, tends to experiment with different rules in the preseason, um, like you saw with the coaches' challenge. And also with the G League, they don't know if they're going to have enough money to do the G League this year, if they're going to do a bubble, or how that's going to work. And that's huge for player development. Yep, I agree. Um, so, the NBA draft, Ryan, what should the Timberwolves do? Are they going to pick up Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, or Wiseman? Are they going to trade that pick for a win-now mode? What do you think? I think it depends on what they feel. Um, I don't think the right move is to um, draft LaMelo Ball, uh, just because they already have D'Angelo Russell, who is a defensive liability. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, who could be a top-tier defensive player, but just doesn't choose to be. Um, so I think a defensive li- two defensive liabilities in a starting backcourt, I think when it comes playoff time, will really seem to hurt you, and especially with Malik Beasley being out because um, he's in jail, and I don't know what that means for him. But I think that they, if they see an offer that they like, they definitely trade that pick for a win-now player, whether it's a Drew Holiday type of player, um, Devin Booker, which seems a little less realistic than that, Victor Oladipo, a little more defensive-minded player. Um, so I, And if they don't see an offer like that that they like with a top-tier defensive guard um, or a uh, defensive-minded wing, 
then I say they take Anthony Edwards. Um, and go from there, really. Go from there. Develop. But I think they're a win-now team because the West is only getting better with those young teams. Um, so I think they got to be in win-now mode. Yeah, I think if the Timberwolves don't trade the pick, they're going to really put a lot of pressure on Anthony Edwards, especially with no summer league or preseason. Um, not a lot of developing room, obviously. He's definitely working out now, trying to get better. Uh, but I feel like if they're going to trade the pick, obviously – as soon as they trade that pick, they're telling the NBA that they're in win-now mode. They're competing for an NBA championship. They want to bring one to Minnesota. And if they draft Anthony Edwards, I don't see that happening, realistically, in three years minimum. Yeah, yeah. And especially we knew with the D'Angelo Russell trade that they were heading toward that direction. Um, but I feel like the time is short just because with a lot of players, um, we tend to – um, just wait for the future. Um, and I think this is the future. Um, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns both being 24 years old, um, and Anthony Edwards being a younger player. Um, this is their this is their window, and I feel like if they can, this obviously isn't their championship window, but this is when the teams need to get their um their scars and their band aids from the playoffs. Um, early in their career, that way when they're seasoned veterans at 27, 28, 29, they're experienced and they're ready to make a shot at the championship. Because a lot of these stars are getting older, so once once the Kevin Durants and the LeBron James and the Steph Currys and the Kawhi Leonards are past their prime, this will be the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the more experienced, the more big game playoff experience they can get, the better. Perfectly worded, I totally agree. Um, let's move on to the next thing we're going to do coaching changes so there's been a lot of coaching changes um uh deservingly so a lot of these candidates um are very good fits with their teams and some are not so much which we'll discuss um so charles how do you feel about the seven seconds or less reunion in brooklyn i think that d'antoni and amari i think that it's a great idea that's all i have to say from it it's a great idea i don't think it'll work i don't think that kyrie irving um, the most, probably the most ball-dominant player in the NBA. One of the most, I don't want to say selfish as a word, but we saw it in Boston. Selfish, we'll yeah, say. Yeah, we saw it in Boston that he's not the most pass-friendly player. Um, and obviously, if you're not going to be pass-friendly and you're not as good as Kobe, please don't do it. Um, uh, I think that bringing in Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni is great. They're going to try it out with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but it's definitely not going to work if they don't uh, keep Joe Harris, who's a free agent, as a kickout shooter, and uh, Kyrie Irving learns to pass the ball. If he does, then it'll be a great, it'll be a great, you know, system. And we need Kevin Durant to really step up. We haven't seen how good he can be in a pretty long time. So as long as Kevin Durant ste- steps up, Kyrie Irving steps up, this will be great. But for now, in my eyes, this is just an idea that I don't think will work out. Yeah, and there's been a lot of trade rumors and a lot of the young guys. If there's no preseason or whatever, they can't get their chemistry right. It's only 72-game season, so they they really need to start getting their chemistry right this year. They basically switched up their whole entire team um, identity, um, and um, they now have D'Antoni as their assistant coach, and I think he'll take a little bit more um, take a little bit more of the load um, when it comes to um, play um, designing plays out of timeouts and be a, more of a coaching mentor towards Nash, uh, as obviously Nash is a first-year coach, um, doesn't have as much experience with coaching. But I think it it could go well, um, 
but I do not see the Nets as a title contender at the moment unless they go out and get that third star, whether it's Drew Holiday, um, whether it's Blake Beal. Griffin, Bradley Beal, um, a two-guard, or if they try and trade for a center like Rudy Gobert or Andre Drummond. Ryan, what do you think about um, uh, Steven Silas and James Harden uh, being targeted by the 76ers due to Steven Silas? What do you think? On the Rockets. What do you think about it? Oh, that? oh. Um, well, I think uh, there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of rumors out there. I don't know how exactly true this one is. I think a lot of people like James Harden and would pursue them if they had to. Um, so I, I, I don't see this... I don't take I don't take this too seriously um, because I could tell you they're not going to trade James Harden for Joel Embiid and the Rockets the Rockets would not accept the Ben Simmons James Harden trade so I just don't see how this happens unless there's some sort of Ben Simmons Tobias Harris Josh Richardson type of trade but even then I just don't see why the Sixers would do that especially they still have some time I think they should try out this new system under Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey. And then Steven Silas, how do you feel about that? Um, I don't like that pick. I feel like Tyron Lue would have been a better fit. Um, I know James Harden certainly doesn't like that pick. Um, assistant coaches to head coaches work out like 40% of the time. Um, we've seen that with a lot of coaches around the league. But uh, we'll see how he does. Obviously, I don't really know him too well. He was on the Thunder. Assistant coach Mavericks. For, Mavericks. Oh, sorry, assistant coach for the Mavericks. And Best they offensive really, rating of all time. Yeah, so. but they really have a different play style than the Rockets. So if he adapts to that well, then I think he'll be a great coach. But I don't really know otherwise. Uh, yeah, but he uh, he developed. He was with the Mavericks when they had the best offensive rating in the league and of all time. So and two of the most explosive offensive players in the league with Harden and Westbrook. So I think that could work out well. And it'll be interesting to see if they stay with this small ball lineup or if they try and get a big. At least uh, some sort of big, even okay. if it's just a average big. Okay, Billy Donovan to the Bulls. This is kind of uh, old news, but as the NBA season comes up, we're looking at all new coaches, and I think Billy Donovan on the Bulls will be a better fit than Jim Boylan. Ryan, what are you I, thinking? I agree with that. Um, I think anyone would be better than Jim Boylan. Um, and with the market that was out when they got them, when I, they got Billy Donovan, I feel like they could have gotten a better coach than they did. They probably could have waited it out. I think they really just wanted to find someone that Zach Levine um, liked because obviously he didn't like um, Jim Boylan, and they just need to move in the right direction. Um, Billy Donovan had a great year coaching the Thunder, and I, I expect him to do the same with the Bulls. I expect the Bulls to be a hinge playoff team, whether it's a 9, 8, or 10 seed. Um, I think he'll affect them um, well because he was good developing young talent at, at Florida when they won the championship with Horford and Joakim Noah. And OKC with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Lou Dort, players like that. Yeah. Um, next up we got Nate Bjorken Bjork ah, Nate B, coach of the Pacers. Yep. Um, how do you feel about him? Um, I feel good. I feel like anyone that comes from that Raptors coaching staff must be pretty intelligent when it comes to basketball. Um, and he, he had a lot to do with the Raptors championship run. Um, uh, he's, been his, a, he's been a G League coach, which obviously, you know, tells you that he can develop young players. Yeah, he can. And, the, and Indiana is a w very weird situation um, with the two big men, with Sabonis and Turner. 
Oladipo not looking like his old self. They've got Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb. They've got a really weird team, and I think he can probably work this out with them, but I'm not sure how that really lands for you. Yeah, I think the Pacers should either go all in or all out. You know what I mean? Being stuck, like, they're in the kind of magic mode, if you know what I mean, like the Orlando magic mode where you're the eight seed and you're getting the 16th pick. Just, just tank. Get the first pick. Get a great player. Same thing with the Pacers. They got swept by the Heat. Obviously, that's a championship team. But come on, you're the you're the four or five seed, whichever one they were. I think they were the five seed. They were four. Oh, yeah, sorry, whatever. And this is exactly this is the four seed, and they got swept by a five seed. They need to either go all in with the players they have now, trade for a star, which they clearly do not have. They have they have Old Depot, Sabonis, Turner, Warren. I guess none of those are superstars. They may be bench all-stars, but they're definitely not superstars. I think they either, you know, trade out of their bad contracts of um, Victor Oladipo or Jeremy Lamb and really, you know, tank and get a good player. Or they can trade for a superstar and go all in. That's what I'm thinking with the Pacers. Yeah, I agree. Because when you look at the East next year, there's there's no way they're getting anything higher than the seven seed if if everyone stays healthy. And that's just probably the worst place to be in basketball. you got the Wizards coming back healthy, um, the Nets coming back healthy. Um, so a lot of these teams, the Bulls could make a playoff push. You know, um, you never know. The Hawks, all these teams. So I just say blow it up. A lot of teams are interested in Oladipo, and you just get the best offer possible. Maybe move off of Turner as well and build around Sabonis and get some shooting around them. And I think they could be a um, a good playoff team, but I don't think they're they're not a team that's gonna get free agents. So I think they need to get it through the trade market. Okay. Um, Tyron Lue to the Clippers. Uh, personally, I think this is a okay selection. I feel like when Tyron Lue got a ring in Cleveland, when he was coaching Cleveland, I don't think he was the coach. I think LeBron James was yep, the coach LeBron of that team. Was the coach. And in this in this kind of uh, system, uh, I don't think that you can go, hey, Kawhi coached this team. Obviously, Kawhi is an amazing player, but I don't think he's not a vocal player. You know, he goes out there and shows you how good he is. He doesn't tell you how good he is. And I think that Tyron Lue is going to struggle coaching that team. If it works out, it works out. But I don't think it will, personally. Yeah, I think Tyron Lue is a more overrated coach in the league um, just because he has that one title team um, playing with LeBron James. I don't know how much he had to do with that. Um, I don't know as much about Tyron Lue. Um, but I, th- I think they should just run it back, and that's what they're doing. And he was already on that coaching staff, and I'm sure he had a lot to do with the playoff run. And it seems like players respect him. So if you can get the respect from players, um, then I think that's key. Yeah, but he certainly doesn't have uh, too much respect from Allen Iverson. Not very um, much. <laughs> moving on, Van Gundy to the Pelicans. How are you feeling about that? Well, Van Gundy to the Pelicans. This is Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. I will not miss Stan Van Gundy um, broadcasting NBA games. <laughs> but No one likes his voice. Yeah, <laughs> I was very annoyed by his voice. But he should be a good coach. Um, he coached the Pistons and did um, okay stuff. You know, obviously that was a developing team. He drafted, he helped draft Kennard over Mitchell, which obviously, you know. Didn't uh, work out too well. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, he, yeah, but Let's. I think he'll, he'll be better um, as just a coach. Uh, we saw in Detroit he was a coach and GM, and those never work out. Never, They never seem to, I think least. I think that he'll do just fine. Obviously he had to work on developing in the Pistons organization, and he'll have to do the exact same thing in New Orleans. So, uh uh, I totally think that that's a. I think that's an okay signing. I don't know about you. Yeah, I I, I like it because he was already. In, it's not like you're getting some new guy, um, new assistant from the Orlando Magic. You're getting someone who is used to your team. They know how the players play. They know how 
um, the front office works. So they're they're used to the team, they're used to the play style. So it's not it's nothing too new. And with a team that lacks chemistry, I think the worst thing that they could have done was bring in a in a coach that they had never met before. Um, Tom Thibodeau to the Knicks. How you feel about that? I'll let you go first. Well, <laughs> I mean, he has Taj Gibson, who he <laughs> who he likes. Yeah, uh, there's not a lot to say about Tom Thibodeau. If you're gonna put a coach on the Knicks, um, he's gonna get fired in at least six months. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I think he can he can probably do better than what David Fitzdale did. Yeah, the Knicks the Knicks are really just coach searching. You know, fire one, pick up a new one. Fire one, pick up a new one. I think this one has potential to work though. Uh, depends how R.J. Barrett plays. If R.J. Barrett likes him, then he won't get fired because R.J. Barrett is really the key to that team right now. Yeah, they have Taj Gibson. Yeah, <laughs> uh, who's very good, uh, very familiar with. Um, Thunder uh, from the Bulls and the Timberwolves. Thunder uh, still do not have a head coach, and to me, I think that is a big red flag. Kenny Atkinson is still out there. I don't know how he is. He he got fired because Kyrie Irving didn't like him, and he is an amazing coach. I thought the I thought the Bulls were gonna pick him up, and they picked up Donovan, which obviously you know, great. He's he's a coach of the year candidate, but I definitely think the Thunder should pick up Kenny Atkinson. I think him and Chris Paul would get along very well if he doesn't get traded, and I think he'll develop SGA and. They're young guys, you know, players like Steven Adams really well. Um, but I don't really know how they're going to go uh, along with this coach hiring campaign. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Kenny Atkinson would be the perfect player because they're obviously looking to move Chris Paul and Steven Adams. So if they can get into a rebuild mode um, with guys like Schroeder, Gallinari, um, yeah, Gallinari um, SGA, and Lou Dort, and they can get them to play consistently hard – then they'll develop a winning culture and maybe get players to want to come to OKC. Oh, lastly, in our coaching, you know, coaching segment, Doc Rivers for the 76ers. Personally, I hate this. He got fired from the uh, Clippers, who obviously were an amazing team and had great, way better players than the 76ers. Got traded from the championship Celtics, who had great players. And I think putting him on a team where he has less, less good players than he had before is just, you know, setting yourself up for failure. Well, I mean, I think it's better than Brett Brown. Um, I think he has a little more coaching creativity. And I don't know how much you can blame the Clippers on Doc Rivers. So I'm not going to get into that um, sort of hole. Um, But it's something new for the uh, Sixers. Um, So it's something new. They had to get rid of um, Brett Brown. Brown, And they found the best coach available. And I think Doc Rivers still has potential to lead them to the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree. As soon as they fire Elton Brand, which they don't seem like they're going to do anytime soon. Nope, they're not. Then uh, they'll be looking pretty good. Last segment for the end of the podcast, I know, I know. Uh, Free agency. Who are me and Ryan's three most interesting free agents. And I will let him go first with his uh, first most interesting free agent. Kind of a weak free agent class, I yeah, guess, compared definitely. to last year. Especially if Anthony Davis accepts his player option. Yeah, which I think we're all expecting, expecting. he would. I think if I were him, I would. Uh, you, If you were him, you'd do it too. I definitely would. Yeah. Okay. So my most, um, my first most interesting free agent out of three would be Montrezl Harrell. Um, because Montrezl Harrell really did not play well in the bubble, and he definitely dropped his stock. So I think it'll be interesting to see what teams are interested in him, um, but teams like Charlotte and New York have shown interest in him. I see a scenario where the Clippers try to sign and trade him um, for some sort of point guard, um, whether it's um, to the to the Hornets um, for Terry Rozier, 
um, or something like that, um, just because the Hornets have those two point guards, they have to move off one. Um, but I see, I see a situation where he's not on the Clippers next year because um, they have to choose one, either Harrell or Zubac. And I think Zubac does more for you on the defensive end. Um, so it's just interesting to see what will happen after he drops his stock. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. Mine uh, is Fred Van Vliet for my first one. Um, he's definitely going to get a payday this offseason, and I think if a, if a team wants to undersell him, he, they're not getting him. I don't. The Raptors don't really have the money for what he's worth right now, um, and he was a really key part of that Raptors championship, and I'm sure any team would love um, championship Fred Van Vliet, or even current Fred Van Vliet. He played so good against the Celtics, one of the only, you know, bright spots of that Raptors team when they played the Celtics. And he, and, um, he, the, the reason that he would be so valuable to a team, he could lead that front court. You know, when you say that your starting point guard is Fred Van Vliet, that you're like, okay, that's probably a good team. You know, he's a, he's a, a third or fourth option on an amazing team and a second or third option on a good team. So, um, I definitely think that, uh, every team is going to want Fred Van Vliet if they can afford him, and he's going to get a lot of offers. Yeah, I get worried about him with like teams like Detroit and New York. I feel like he has potential to be overpaid um, for someone who's more of like a role, not a role player, a very, very good uh, third best player, fourth best player on a good team. So I think I'm a little worried about him going to a team, a bad team, where he's overpaid and he's asked to do a little too much, um, alike, um, kind, kind of like Terry Rozier or guys like that that you see have – good seasons and then get paid for more than what they're actually worth. Yep. You're up on your second. Oh, um, we got Danilo Gallinari, who uh, was the second best player on a very good playoff team. Um, great season with OKC, should get a payday, and I think he's either going to go to Miami or OKC. Um, if, OK, if Miami can find the cap space for him, I think they do have the cap space for him, but I'm hearing that they want to save more of that for... Giannis in 2021, um, but if he were to sign back with the Thunder, I think he's a very important piece with them as a veteran leader who can still score and get them that playoff experience that SGA and Truder and all those guys need. Um, so he should be he should be very interesting because he's either going to a team that's in most definitely win ma- win now mode in um, the Miami Heat or a team that's in more of a rebuilding kind of hinge playoff contention team and the west is only getting better um so i don't know if they'll make the playoffs again but if he's there i wouldn't count them out okay my second yeah i totally agree with you on everything that you said my second uh player is christian wood i think the detroit pistons need to do anything and everything in their power to keep him um he's proved that when he's the sole front court member or when he's the better front court member he's going to perform well um, when Blake Griffin was out, he he had spectacular uh, numbers, and he is versatile. He can shoot the ball, he can post up, and he's just that kind of player that you want on your team. When you look, same thing I said for Van Vliet. If you look and see starting power forwards Christian Wood, that's a good team. He can be a second or third option on a really good team because he's that good. He's that versatile. He can he, just like what I'm saying, you know. And the Pistons need him if they want to succeed. They're looking to ship out Derrick Rose. He probably wants out. He. He's a good veteran leader, but he wants to win now if he wants to make it to the Hall of Fame. So um, they're looking to move off of Griffin as well. Yeah, exactly. And if he get if they get Wood back and um, get Griffin out of Detroit, then he he will pop off. He will be an All Star. I promise you that. And that's why they should do anything in their power to keep him. And he's a very interesting free agent. 
uh, if where he chooses to go, or if he wants to go back to Detroit. Yeah, I just think that if he's your best player, you're probably one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, that's why he needs to go to a contender. Like, if the Knicks decide to sign him for 20-plus million, um, then the Knicks are probably not going to be very good. I think they need to. Teams um, need – good teams need to be looking at him, not necessarily bad teams. Because if you're paying someone $26 million to be your best player but you're not winning, um, then I don't see why that would ha why that would be helpful for you. Oh, and then we got our third one, my third one, who I think is very similar to Christian Wood, is Jeremy Grant, who showed in the playoffs that he can be a very reliable defender, um, who guarded LeBron James in some key moments in that Nuggets series that they lost in five games. Um, but he still played very well over the playoffs, um, and he's he could be a small ball center if you're really looking to play small ball. He's around 6'7", six, 6'8", six, um, and he could really stretch the floor with his improved shooting. Um, and he's a good rebound, solid um, defensive player. Um, but I think if uh, same thing with Christian Wood, if you're signing him to a huge deal, I'm not sure that your team is going to be too good. So I, I I think he has to go to a good team, or else he's not going to put up. He's not going to live up to the expectations that you're paying him for. Um, and I don't see any reason the Nuggets shouldn't re-sign him, uh, since he um, he paid. He gave them so much in that uh, run this year. And as the last player in the last segment of our podcast, I have Davis Bertans. Um, the Wizards need him back if they have any hope for the playoffs. You know, John Wall's coming back. Obviously, Bradley Beal's amazing. And he is that guy that can just spot up. They don't call him the Latvian loser for nothing. Obviously, he's an amazing shooter. And he is he has starting power forward for a great team caliber. You know, if the Warriors started him at power forward, um, if they were trying to you know, this is you know hypothetical. Obviously, um, say Dame, Draymond Green didn't exist, and they have D Davis Bertans. Um, I think he fills that role that Draymond Green can fill. He's younger; he can shoot. Uh, Draymond Green obviously is kind of developing that with Clay and Steph Curry next to him. But I think they have very similar games, and I think that uh, Davis Bertans is, can be a really, really good piece on a um, six, you know, five, six to even a ten seed. And uh, with that. That's going to end our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, me and Ryan had an amazing time making this, uh, looking up the news, writing everything. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week with our next podcast. And bye.